Well, hello and good morning or good afternoon or good evening or whatever it is for you. Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast where our hope is to dig a little bit deeper into that week's sermon. So that way we might just dig a little bit deeper into our hearts. We've been on break for a while and so we normally introduce ourselves, but let's for sure introduce ourselves just in case you forgot who we are. My name is Chris Brown and I'm the associate pastor here. My name is Jacob Belding. I'm the Connections Minister. And I'm Michael Masterpole. I'm the student pastor. Yep. And every now and then we're able to course Michael into it, and he so um, lovingly uh, agreed to do so. No, yeah. I just wanted the lights programmed in the youth room. Yep. <laughs> we just made a trade. I'm going to do a favor for Michael. He's going to do a favor for me. So that's why he's here. Uh, but if you like Michael, just uh, let him know in the comments. Let him know more Michael. Michael 2024, right? We can say that now. It's 2024. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> You know how sad I'm going to be now when no one says anything? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Anyways, uh, we took a break over uh, the uh, holidays, and now we are back, and we're glad that y'all are here. And um, let's get into this week's sermon. Uh, Pastor Lee uh, preached, and the title of the sermon was How to Wake Up, or no, 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 sorry. It was simply... The right side of the bed, 2024. The right side of the bed in 2024, referencing getting up on the wrong side of the bed, um, which poses the question before we get started, um, are y'all morning people or night people? I'm not a morning person. Not a morning person. In any sense. Michael's a morning person. Share with us your your wisdom. (laughs) There is no wisdom. I just, once you get up early in the morning, you don't sleep your day away, it feels good. And Mm -hmm. so... and. I hate getting out of bed, the act of getting out of bed, but once I get out, I'm fine. Yeah. So I'm a morning person in the sense of I am most productive in the morning, but I'm not a morning person in the sense of I hate life. <laughs> for like, for me, it's longer than five minutes. I don't know. I don't know. Actually, you know, when I get out of bed, maybe 30 minutes, long enough for me to get up and like have coffee and just sit for a second. But with kids, mm. as you probably mm. know. Um, there's the thought of, I need to wake up earlier than my kids. And then they see it as a competition. (laughs) It's like, there is no getting up earlier than your kids. It's whenever you get up, your kids are up. Is that the the experience you have? Well, on the weekends, I try to, uh, outsleep my kids. That's (laughs) my goal. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't bother me if they're up before me. It's like, y'all just... Take care of yourselves for a bit. I'm going to do a rollover or two because uh, I have nowhere to be. Is Sam up at this time? Usually, yeah. Okay, so it's Sam who's the one <laughs> taking care of the kids. Yeah, that's right. Oh, uh, yeah. She's good at it, yeah. though, you know, so yeah. it's okay. <laughs> Your kids are a little older. Do you run into that issue? No. Uh, they get up on their own, and I don't even know they're alive because they all get on video games. And so mm. I can sleep as late as I want if I wanted yeah. to. My kids... Well, the youngest one is young enough that when he's up, we're all up. There's no, there's no getting around it. That's why they make cribs. Just leave them in there. <laughs> just leave them in there. Just, just soundproof the, the room. <laughs> Chicken wire over the top so he can't get out. Yeah. Mm. You know, these are great ideas. <laughs> we'll give that a shot. Anyways, uh, Lee's sermon was about how do we go into 2024 and not carry in this like I guess like negative attitude that you would have like being waking up on the wrong side of the bed um you know generally speaking uh you know you see it with kids a lot and, and adults too but you know there's some days Lottie wakes up and you're like you just need to go back to bed and try again like go lay down wake up again we'll try again you got up on the wrong side of the bed but the question is I guess the the question that Lee is kind of posing in this is, uh, does it have to be that way? Like, like, do we have to wake up on the wrong side of the bed? And in 2024, how can we change our perspective to be on the right side of the bed and and make the most of it? And so that's kind of the thought of the sermon. There's not really a defined point structure to this, but but here's roughly speaking the outline of the sermon. He's going to dig into um, how the Israelites in the Old Testament had the favor of God and how we also, if we have placed our faith in Christ, have the favor of God. But there's a caveat to it. This favor of God is conditional based on our following God um, or or 
living in disobedience to God. Now, let me throw in a caveat to the caveat. Not talking about salvation here. Salvation isn't conditional in the sense of uh, you can, uh, you know, get or lose it. Um, that's constant. This is different. This is the the blessing of God, the favor of God in that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, sort of. Yeah. Okay. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll get we'll into get it. To it yeah. It's a little tricky because because um, when we talk about favor, uh, the favor of God, a certain sect of Christianity has co-opted that word Mm -hmm. and really taken it off the rails. Generally speaking, the prosperity gospel kind of people um, have taken that word favor. And because you have the favor of God, now you can do anything, right? Uh, And don't worry, I don't believe Pastor Lee is going down the health and wealth prosperity gospel uh, train. In fact, he went far enough to say, you can be cursed by God. (laughs) For part of the sermon, he went in the complete opposite direction Uh of the prosperity gospel. Uh, And so we're going to get into all that. But before we do, um, do you have any thoughts? I already have so many thoughts. (laughs) But uh, one of the things I appreciated there uh, that he talked about at the very beginning, uh, and I didn't know this, but the idea of getting up on the wrong side of the bed is uh, comes from the Romans, mm-hmm. ancient Romans. And so I was like, okay, there's Pastor Lee thinking about Rome. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, that meme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. I thought that was interesting that yeah. even for them, they're like, don't step with the wrong foot out of bed first. It's all very superstitious. Yeah, yeah. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. You're a little stitious. <laughs> <laughs> you're mildly stitious. <laughs> I'm mildly stitious. <laughs> Uh, Anyways, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think so. That was interesting, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, he he did have a couple of just like fun facts in there for us, and that was one of them. Um, you know that that idiom comes from ancient Rome. Like, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And then um, yeah, he moved on, and and he was talking about you know even people that um, that aren't believers or Christians are happy to say you know God bless America mm-hmm. and. Uh, Take that approach, um, you know. He, well, politicians all over the place do it. It's kind of, it's almost become its own idiom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not believe in God, but they'll say it anyway. Um, and the, the, it's almost more of like a "May America prosper," right? Kind of thing. It's kind, yeah, yeah, and it's sort of like a, you know, when you go to greet somebody and you're like, "Hey, how's it going?" Right? That's really like me saying hello. It's not mm-hmm. like. You know, I don't want to hear yeah. about your day. Don't <laughs> right. tell me about your day. <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, you know, people it, it throws people off, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, what I'll do sometimes is I'll go, I'll be driving up, pulling up through the drive-through, and uh, you know, they'll ask for your order, and then you get up to the window, and they're, oh, how are you today? And I'm, I'll like, I'll tell them, I'm like, well, I'm hungry right now. <laughs> it throws them off. It's All funny. your kids in the back are like, <sighs> yeah, oh gosh, I'm like, well, that's why I'm here. It's because I'm hungry. Yeah. But you know, the the whole point is pretty much just to say hi in a mm-hmm. different way, and um, I think that's kind of how God bless America goes for for many out there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, wrapped up in this concept of. Um, God's favor can be on something, uh, and you know the God bless America is kind of invoking that of like yeah God yeah, uh, but yeah yeah the idiomatic sayings, fun. So the the verse that Pastor Lee uh, used for the sermon is Second Corinthians six one through two. Uh, if you're curious as to where he pulled this concept of favor of God, um, you want to go ahead and read that. Yep. <clears throat> Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable, favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, just digging into that, uh, taking an Old Testament passage that's based off the Old Testament passage, right? Yes. Pretty sure, yeah. Um, taking that old one and basically uh, taking an Old Testament concept of uh, God's favor can be poured at you and applying it to today, that that today is that day. Um, find God's favor today. Yeah. Now, let's get into this, because before we get too deep into the sermon, um, because the prosperity gospel has kind of usurped that word favor, let's talk about what, what would you say, what is the favor of God and what isn't the favor of God? Um, 
the favor of God. So I think, you know, having categories, right, would be helpful, like you mentioned mm-hmm. before. So if we're in Christ, uh, if uh, we've been justified uh, by faith, then right there, like, we are under God's favor mm-hmm. uh, just by, uh, it, for, for no other reason, by the fact that He saved us, right? Yeah. That's God's favor it's a constant. towards us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's something that doesn't change. Um, if we are truly saved, mm-hmm. right, with that caveat. Um, on the other hand, uh, God's favor, uh, it, it may look different uh, for you know, based on what God intends to uh, put into our lives. So I think we have to be careful to define favor as like the, the prosperity gospel, the way the prosperity gospel does that, oh, hey, uh, did you get that promotion at work? Uh, it must have been because you did X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Therefore, God is favorable to you. Versus... And that's literally, like, like that's not a straw man. <coughs> right. uh, I remember I read a book from Joel Osteen, kind of the, the prince of prosperity. Yep. Uh, nice. And don't ask me why I read the book. <laughs> it was when I was younger. Research purposes. Research purposes. But I read his, his first book they wrote. And literally in the book is talking about having the favor of God. And it said, um, like, if you're going into a, a, uh, a job interview, and if you go in with the mindset of, I'm a child of God, I have the favor of God, then they're going to see you differently. And because they're going to see you differently, they're going to know something's different about this person. And you're going to get that job. Right. That, that was literally the example that I gave yes. on that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but then that would beg the question, okay, what about the one that uh, didn't get the job, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. at the same time? Or if we, um, if we go to the, the New Testament, how about Paul? The, <laughs> Paul is the greatest example yeah. uh, to dispel myths about the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what about Paul, right? Um, he, I mean, he was beaten more times, basically uh, left for dead. He was stoned. Um, my, man, uh, it's like, was God's favor on Paul? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if we're defining it that way. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Right. That's the question. Mm-hmm. I think the answer is yes, right? Yeah. So just because, um, right, God's, uh, things aren't going well uh, in our lives or the way that we want to, we can, uh, at the same time, we know if we're in Christ that God is working those things out for good, mm-hmm. for our good, mm-hmm. right, is what uh, Romans tells us. Yeah, which uh, he actually quotes. I don't know if he quotes that specific verse, but... Yeah. That passage. Yeah, he does. Um, Spoiler. Sorry, I spoiled it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I almost see... So so he kind of interchanges the word blessing here as well. Yeah. And I almost see it as uh, that that Makarios or the Asher word that, mm-hmm. that we talked about um, not too long ago. Uh, almost as this um, cause and effect almost type of thing that that if you follow God, then of course you're going to have blessings from God, um, but not necessarily in the sense of like prosperity or health, right. but in the sense of like, like you're going to be happy and you're going to be flourishing and you're going to um, have joy in life. And so uh, there's very much, you see that in, in the Old Testament with the Israelites that whenever they were following God's law, all of a sudden, life was going well for them, and whenever they weren't following God's law, all of a sudden, life wasn't going well for them. And it was almost kind of dual purpose that God definitely had His hand in that, but at the same time, God also just allowed just the natural cause and effects to happen in the world. Yeah. Like if you sacrifice your kids to Molech, you're going to build a culture that's not going to thrive, right? right? Uh, and so, so there's this hand-in-hand of like the sow and reap principle mm-hmm. and God actively taking a role in, in kind of leading those out. But let's get into specifics. So, so Pastor Lee uh, brought up the, the story of Balaam, and I don't think he mentioned the donkey one time, <laughs> did, did he? Uh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when you think Balaam, what do you think? Yeah, the talking donkey. The talking the donkey. angel is blocking the way, and the donkey's yeah. like, nope, not doing that. There was no mention of donkey. Uh-uh. More donkeys. <laughs> okay. Anyways, we won't talk about donkeys since he didn't. But uh, it's an interesting story with Balaam. He was a prophet of God. Not a good prophet, but a prophet of God. And Balak hired Balaam to go uh, put a curse on Israel. And this is where um, uh, we we observe in the Bible that, that God does bless the nation of Israel in that there's nothing that 
that anyone can do to reverse those blessings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have Balaam who tells Balak, I can't do anything about this. I don't know what, what you want me to do. Uh, I can only do what God does, mm-hmm. uh, which is a remarkably um, uh, spiritually mature statement to make for a wicked prophet. Right. <laughs> um, and, well, uh, it's interesting, too, because yeah. Balak, the king of Moab, hiring Balaam to pronounce curses on Israel, um, right? That that would have run contrary to God's uh, plan for Israel, mm-hmm. even. And so, I mean, obviously, uh, Pastor talked a lot about, you know, the, the, the conquest generation that, that's going to be coming um, to take over the land of Canaan. And, um, and the Moabites are worried about this, right? Mm-hmm. They're worried about uh, Israel basically pushing them out and, mm-hmm. or, or ultimately slaughtering all of them, right? Uh, just based on what, what God has commanded them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, part of part of God's plan we even see earlier, like in Genesis, right? Is uh, this is the land that God has promised to them, and so they're going to go and inhabit the land, right? Uh, at at some point, anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it just wouldn't make any sense for Balaam to be able to, with God's approval, right, to go and pronounce curses on Israel in regard to Moab. Because this is contrary to his will and mm-hmm. his purpose and his plan anyway, right? So, Which brings up a good secondary point uh, that if you ever receive a personal revelation or someone tells you a personal revelation of their own that goes contrary to God's will, which one do you choose? Scripture. Scripture, <laughs> like, like God's revealed will. Uh, and yeah, I like, think that's... Oh, God told me to murder this person over there. It's like... Did he though? <laughs> Did he? What about this verse? Right. No. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, that's an extreme example, obviously. But yeah, extreme. Yeah. It could be. It, it could be anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, if it's uh, yeah, if you're if you're hearing things, um, you know, or, or feel like God has spoken to you in a particular way, and it's contrary to Scripture, that's not God speaking to you. Yeah. And so Balaam, though he was wicked, mm-hmm. though he was willing to be bought. Uh, still had enough sense to recognize that. Right. That whatever God has set in plan and revealed, I can't contradict that. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't do any good. Uh, it's just words. Um, and so we see here that that there is examples in the Bible of God's favor being poured out on his people. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I like the, that Lee pointed this out in Numbers 23.5, which all this takes place. He pointed out that, that Balaam said, How beautiful are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling places, O Israel. Uh, and uh, comparing that to their blessing wasn't necessarily a direct correlation to extravagance. Right. Right. It was... It was something different, something deeper than that, because they're, uh, like Lee mentioned, they were nomadic. They hadn't settled quite yet. And when you think of, like, uh, if we were to say, wow, someone's really blessed from God, like you say, man, you have a really nice house. Um, No one's going to say, man, you have a really nice camping tent, (laughs) right, that you're staying in. Probably not. Maybe a really nice RE. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, Have you seen tents lately? I'm not. Awesome. Oh, yeah. They're really yeah, good. I went and yeah. looked at Shields, and mm-hmm. man, they got some tents now. You need to go look them out. Okay. Like each Israelite had one of those. Yeah, right? Yeah. In the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. And so um, that, that is something to point out that, that this blessing of God wasn't necessarily a correlation to extravagance and right. um, like a. A uh, a fiscal um, blessing. No, it could it could it be could. the case. It could be the case, but it's not necessarily the case. And again, that's uh, that's where we're going to make distinctives between uh, the favor of God in terms of like prosperity and the favor of God in terms of of just blessings right. from God and and enjoying God. And so uh, there's certainly uh, times that you can go into a place and you feel like the atmosphere of like there's joy in the room and that doesn't always correlate to there's nice things in the right. room. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Any other thoughts on on the beginning of that story there? Um before we translate to us. Uh no. Uh, no, I think 
I think we pretty well, you know, talked about it. All right, pulling it to us now. So, so we've established God's favor was on the Israelites. There was nothing that Balaam could do, nothing that Balak could do, nothing that anyone could do to remove that favor. Translate it to us now. What favor do we have in God? You kind of mentioned this uh, a little bit earlier. Is primarily our salvation, right? Yeah. Primarily, uh, our salvation is the favor of God on our life. And here's the great thing. No one can do anything about that. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Romans 8, 35. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Lee made it quite down to verse 35. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, that, yeah, that came to mind, right? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And the, uh, the implied answer is no. No, no. <laughs> because of everything that came before Dude, in Romans 8. And that's the beautiful thing about <laughs> Romans 8 is uh, all throughout the first eight chapters of Romans, you've got this this unpacking of the gospel, right? That's yeah. why they call it the Romans Road, yep. right? Uh, you got this full unpacking of the gospel, getting into all the weeds of our sin and um, uh, Christ's death justifying us and, and uh, the, the Spirit and all that. We're going through all that, and he concludes with this that God works all things out together for those who love him, that whoever he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then should we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? And as you mentioned, nothing's going to separate us from that. And so the culmination of God's salvation for our life is we're set. Yeah, we're secured. Nothing can do, or no one can do anything about that. Uh, and and uh, Lee kind of pulled it into our world today. Like we are not living in the the greatest political state in our life right now, but that doesn't matter, right? Um, like no matter how bad our political state is right now, it's nothing compared to what it was then, mm-hmm. right? Uh, at least we have a vote. Uh, I guess some of y'all may may uh, <laughs> question the. It's rigged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. But I mean, but there's yeah. not like, you know, oh, there's a uh, uh, somebody who's popular that has an army and wants to be emperor, and so now we have to fight a civil war for the next X amount of years. Mm-hmm. And okay, and then they win, and then they become emperor for a few years, and then somebody mm-hmm. else. You know, yeah, rises up and they're all fighting each other in a civil war all the time. So yeah, I mean, it could be a lot worse, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's something that we're we're blessed to uh, not have to put up with often, right? Yeah, our civil wars, yeah, uh, for political changes and things like that, or so. persecution. Like yeah. they were living um, uh, through the portion of the New Testament, they were living through the persecution of Nero, which was <laughs> yep. like one of the most brutal persecution of Christians in all of history. And they're fun. He literally put Christians on poles, uh, drenched in tar and pitch, and lit them on fire. Mm-hmm. Is what I think it's Tacitus writes that. Uh, yeah, he uh, he burned Christians, uh, and and they would uh, and he used them as lights for for his gardens at mm-hmm. night. It's like, you know oh what, my gosh! You know what we need? We need. Uh, did, Michael, did you ever see that Napoleon movie? <laughs> no, I didn't watch uh, it. Um, so we need a movie like that. But about Nero, because that dude, that dude's probably an interesting guy mm-hmm. to, to see on screen. Um, uh, call Ridley Scott. <laughs> <laughs> there was um, uh, you know, old legend. I, I don't know if this has ever been verified, but but the old legend about Nero is they set the town on fire and then yep. walked through the town playing his violin. Yep. Uh, it's almost like Joker vibes yep. uh, to it. Uh, yeah, is it Joaquin Phoenix? Joaquin well, Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. We need him to play. <laughs> to play Nero. <laughs> to play Nero. He's, uh, he's got a good track, again, with Ridley yeah. Scott directing it. Uh, yeah. When he was in Gladiator. He's already been a Roman emperor, so why not? Yeah, why yeah not? Just, just do it again. Yeah. Repi- right. Reprise the role. Yeah. Anyways, you've got that happening in the New Testament, uh, for portion of the New Testament, and like... Th- they don't even mention it hardly at all. Like it's certainly not by name. Uh, they they may allude to persecution, but it's never in the sense of like "woe is me." It's always in the sense of like, guys, consider yourself blessed that we're being persecuted for Christ. Mm-hmm. And if they can do it, surely we can do it, oh, right? Yeah. Surely we can, you know, get through the weird culture wars where not everyone agrees with us, right? Um, don't allow. 
those those disagreements and and rise up against Christianity culturally to a, to affect the blessings of God that we have in our life. That's kind of one of the main points of the sermon is don't don't allow someone else to try to steal your blessing because they can't. Right. Right. Um, any other thoughts about that? Um. No, I think. I mean, I think that's pretty good. Yep. Good so moving into um, the last little part where, where Lee gets very anti-prosperity. <laughs> um, in the same way that you can have the favor of God, you can also have a curse of God. Um, Balaam, he mentioned that, which I didn't realize that Balaam did this. Uh, Balaam <coughs> realized he couldn't curse Israel, but he also recognized that he could get Israel to curse themselves, mm-hmm. right? And so... Um, uh, Balak, right? The king, not the prophet. Which one? Uh, Balaam was attributed. Oh, really? It. Yeah, I looked oh. it up. Um it's later on in now it may have been Balak's idea, I'm not sure. Uh, but later on in Numbers, whenever uh, Israel's dealing with the widespread issues, it it refers back to Balaam was the one that enticed them to mm. do it. Uh, so, so I'm sure Balak had a role in it, uh, but but Balaam's the one that got the credit, um, at least in retrospect. And so so Balaam realized that he couldn't curse them, but what he could do is kind of infiltrate ideology, if you will, and sway people's decision-making, and if he pulled Israel away from God, then now Israel would start to lose the blessings of God. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, again, what's really important here is it applies to us. We're going to separate, we're going to categorize out the favor of God in terms of salvation and the favor of God in terms of like blessing, joy, uh, you know, peace, all that. Yeah. Um, because if you have placed your faith in Christ, it's set. Right. Nothing you can do about that. Nothing anyone else can do about that. You're set. But you can, at the same time, have your faith placed in Christ, yet not living in accordance with Christ. Right. Right. And there's going to be just some natural consequences that come from that. Anyways, so pulling it back to to the passage, Balaam enticed them uh, towards idolatry, and as they uh, headed towards idolatry, we see this time and time again throughout the Old Testament, as Israel headed towards idolatry, um, God allowed them to feel the effects of their sin because of that. (coughs) Yes. And uh, and that's, I think that's what's, uh, one of the things that's important to note here, uh, Lee mentioned and, and read from Deuteronomy 28, uh, so this is where you get you know, blessings and curses of the covenant, right? Mm-hmm. Israel is called to be in covenant with the Lord, and there are blessings for uh, holding the, to the covenant, for keeping the covenant, right? On the other hand, there's curses for not, right? For chasing after idols and uh, those sorts of things, for uh, for violating the covenant, right? Mm-hmm. There's sanctions to that. And so, yeah, uh, part of... Um, you know, and, and again, like you said, we see it played out in the Old Testament time and time again. Uh, judges, for example, right? Uh, people are doing pretty good, then they're not. They go after idols. God sends uh, oppressors to oppress them. They cry out. God raises up a judge. They get some relief, and then things get worse and worse and worse. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. yeah there we go. Yeah. And then uh, that happens even on a macro scale, right? Until you get the. Uh, uh, the Babylonian, the Assyrians, and then the Babylonians coming and, and mm-hmm. taking the people out of the land, right? They don't get to enjoy the blessings mm-hmm. of the land if they're not holding to the covenant. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Yeah. I have all this before you, all these <laughs> blessings, but then after that, you're not going to get it. Yeah. Because you're, you're not following me. And so instead of the blessings, you're going to get oppression. That's right. Yep. That's right. You get curses instead. Yep. So, so that's kind of where Israel was. Yep. And again... Pulling it to today, uh, Pastor Lee brought up uh, one of the letters in Revelation 2 mm-hmm. that actually references this. Um, Revelation 2.14 says, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who are holding to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food, sacrificed to idols. Oh, okay, there's there's where Balak is, have a part in it. Um 
to entice Israel to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. And so in the same way that, that they chased idolatry, moved away from God, you see here in that time and uh, by effect our time mm-hmm. as a possibility uh, that people can go towards idolatry and move away from God and also follow God or not follow God, uh, you know, follow God in the sense of, you know, uh, they're saved. Uh, and so, so those two things can hang out in tandem with each other and that can affect how the blessings that you receive from God. Yeah. Go. So, um, one of the, uh, one of the great blessings that we get to enjoy is just an example for us is uh, assurance of our mm-hmm. salvation, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, which is a sense of of being secure, like we ourselves are secure um, in in our salvation, and uh, it, this is a blessing, right? It's a it's a gift from God, and I mean, if you're uh, assured, if you have assurance of salvation, then this is uh, again, it's it's a great thing, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about that. So um, about our salvation and kind of where we stand, but if we're if we're being idolatrous, right? If we're not following, if we're not being obedient to to living life in the way that Christ has shown us uh, that we are to live our lives, then right, we're not going to have those that blessing mm-hmm. that, as an example of a yeah, right? so There's sin, right? That's in our lives that makes us think, well, you know, I know that if I am saved, it's only ever based on Christ's work, but I have this sin that I I keep going back to and I enjoy it. Uh, it, this isn't something that somebody who's saved really ought to be enjoying, mm-hmm. right? We know that, right? And that has an effect on whether uh, you know we have that assurance mm-hmm. uh, of our salvation or not. It's just that's one example. Yeah, no. And David uh, in the Old Testament is kind of a, a prime example of that. So, you know, he slept with Bathsheba, had uh, Uriah killed, and Psalm fifty-one when everything. You know, hit the fan. Uh, Psalm fifty-one is him repenting of yeah. all that, and in Psalm fifty-one, uh, it says, "I can't remember the exact verse, but it says, restore in me the joy of your salvation.'" Yeah. And so we see a prime example of that. Like you know, if he's he's asking, he's not asking to restore salvation, right? right. Salvation's there, but he's asking the joy of salvation to be restored, which means that his sin, his disobedience to God, has stolen the joy. Of salvation, not salvation itself, but the joy of it, and so repenting and living in accordance and obedience to God brings about that joy of salvation, almost like the assurance of salvation kind of aspect. It's one type of joy. Yeah, yeah. You, you get to you get to live as if everything's right in the world because everything is right in the world because you and God are not only like salvifically in a right, right relationship, but like actually relationally yeah. in a right relationship. Um, yeah. And so, so that gets, you know, we, we kind of hopped ahead to the really one of the main uh, yeah. uh, points of the sermon is if you find yourself not experiencing the blessings and the favor of God, what do you need to do? Revelation 2.16, therefore repent. Yep. There it is. That's it. Repent. Repent. That's always been it. Repent, turn from your sin, and come to God. Um, if we were to go into a more philosophical, pragmatic view of it, um, if you feel un, uh, uh, uneasy with the way that things are going in, in life, maybe it's because you're living contrary to how God has designed you to live. And so, maybe what you need to do is to recognize, okay, there's a designer in this world. He designed me to live a certain way. Now let me look to see, okay, how did he design me to live? And now once I start living within the, the specs of the manual, mm-hmm. if you will, um, now all of a sudden things are going to f- operate better because I'm living how God called me to live. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well said. Well said. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, any other thoughts? About the the sermon as a whole, um, I mean, we we hit the main kind of ideas that were flowing through there. I think um, the really the big thing that I wanted to talk about was um, that that distinction, that salvation, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, favor, right? Mm-hmm. The favor of God that we get in salvation versus 
um, some of the other types of favor and blessing that we yeah. might enjoy uh, versus curses. Um, let me ask you. Um, so, in you know, thinking about Revelation two, and um, and here this this letter to Pergamum. Were there any of those who were there in the church that should have been worried about their salvation? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, it, it's hard whenever you have letters written to churches because it's as a whole, it's a, it's almost like a sermon. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get there and preach a sermon, and there's some parts of that sermon that you're like, uh, I'm talking to Christians and I don't want non-Christians to take what I'm saying and apply it to themselves. And then there's times that you're talking to non-Christians and you don't want Christians to take what you're saying and apply it to themselves. Like, like for example, um, uh, there was in the, in the kind of evangelical movement where it's like very like seeker sensitive and, and in you know youth camps and, and mission trips and whatnot, there was like a, a strong press on, you may not be saved. You may not be saved. And uh, what sometimes will happen is that there are students who are, they are saved and they are following after God, yet they're so introspective that they start to call into question their own salvation, not because of anything that's going on, but because they're just nervous, right? And so it's like, uh, uh, like, like every, everything in their life, both emotionally, spiritually, and physically, is pointing to you are saved, yet they have a nervousness and anxiety within them that, oh, I may not be saved just because the thought has been put in my mind. And and that's where like, like I get, a, it's a little tricky because... Um, that's why I brought it up. Yeah, it, it's tricky because like whenever, whoever was on stage said that, they weren't talking to them. They were talking to the people who are just coming to church and have no resemblance of God in their life. They just go home, don't think about God again until they come in the next time. That's really who that person was talking to. But because that person's being too introspective, now they're taking a message for someone else and applying it to themselves mm-hmm. um, and vice versa and all that. Um, so that's where it, it's hard. From, from a preaching standpoint, I try to be as specific as I can because I don't want people to take my words and impose them onto situations I did not mean for them to be put on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that being said, Pergamum, was this talking to uh, people in the church who weren't saved and they were just there and they need to like wake up to their salvation? Is that the question? Yes. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Do you have a thought? (laughs) Uh, Um, I'd have to pull up the the passage. Well, so, um, uh, you know, to kind of, the point the point really is you know if we are if we don't want to be self deceived at the same time right right yeah. and so we we have said and mentioned that like salvation is something that's different and separate from these other things that we're talking about over here at the same time we want to be sure that we do have that right mm-hmm. uh, that that we uh do enjoy the blessings of salvation uh from God first right before these uh, before we're worried about some of these others and so um you know, I'm I'm not saying that, you know, hey, questioning your salvation is something that, you know, everybody ought to do, but <laughs> shall fell yeah. over. But 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 being um but uh examining ourselves every so often is a good practice. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh to be sure that we are uh, living within God's will, uh that we are um uh, you know, that we are putting off sin, that we are uh making uh, effort and, and striving to be more and more righteous, more and more like mm-hmm. Christ. And then, uh, so we want to keep a watch on ourselves sure, right? and, sure. and be sure yeah. that we are like, so there's a balance there. Right? Yeah. See what I'm trying so, to say. so usually my, um, which, which by the way, I, I just kind of skimmed over the passage. I think there could be as with any church, yeah. in any church, there's going to be people in there who, who probably aren't saved right. yet. Think that they are, they're just more of a nominal Christian, mm-hmm. just, going through the motions. Uh, so surely there probably is. Um, it, again, it's hard because these letters are more, they're less written to specific people and more written to the church as a whole. And yeah. so so you see in that letter, he's like, he's referring to you in the plural as in the church. It's like, you are holding to the faith. Yet you, some of you, 
aren't. Right. Uh, uh, and so, so certainly there probably were people. Now, to, to piggyback on what you were saying, uh, whenever I talk to people about their assurance of salvation, mm-hmm. so let's go to that one. Um, let's say they heard a sermon or they're just being introspective and they're, they're questioning it. Um, what I don't do is say, okay, did you get baptized at age 12? Right. Right. Cause that's not going to do anyone any good. Right. right. Um, and the Bible doesn't really call us to do that. The Bible doesn't say, Hey, think back to, you know, when you got baptized, uh, or walk down the aisle. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I more go to like first John, um, where John talks a lot about, salvation and he puts it a little bit more black and white than, than I would in a counseling session. Mm -hmm. Um, but he gets a little bit more to like, what does your life look like? Does your life resemble God? Are are you bearing fruit in your life? Mm -hmm. If you are, then there's a good chance that you're following God and have placed your faith in Christ. If you, if there's no resemblance of God in your life, there's a good chance that you're not. Right. And so, so if I'm talking to someone and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm questioning my salvation, I heard this, and I, I don't know what to do with it. Um, if walking through that, there is fruit in their life, then I would say, maybe this is just an anxiety thing in your mind, and you just need to work it out with God and, and place your faith in God, and, or in the sense of like, like continuing to and like yeah. trusting God and that, that He's got you and that that there's nothing that's going to happen with that. But if talking to them, they're on that side of like, no, there's no aspect of God. It's like, you, maybe you haven't. Yeah. And yeah. so I guess is that kind of... Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Introspection is good. Yep. Um, in the right... In, in like uh, going about the right way. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the, the the part that I uh, have, and, and Michael, you may experience this uh, with students, is the ones who should be examining their life are the ones oh, who yeah. don't. Yeah. They think they have it all together. Yes, yeah. and the ones who do have it together in the sense of like they're following God are the ones that are like overanalyzing uh, their life. And it's like, I need you all to flip y'all's mindsets <laughs> here. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Maybe that's why there's such harsh language in the Bible when talking to the churches because it's trying to like wake up those yeah. ones that that are just so like self deceived. Yep. In that, yeah. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. They need a little shock, uh, just like we did. You know. Yep. What a way to open up 2024 with a really a difficult topic. Yeah. Um, favor and 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 blessings and curses uh, from God is it's very abstract and, and very hard to like nail down. Uh, and so anyways, fun time. You let us know what you think about the sermon in the comments. Are you experiencing the favor of God? Or are you under a curse? <laughs> if you're under a curse, let us know everything bad happening to you and we'll just like the comment. Uh <laughs> All right. With that being said, we're now going to move into our Bad Doctor of the Week. It's the Bad Doctrine of the Week. All right. Bad Doctrine of the Week. I saw we're going to Facebook. All right. Facebook is always the the place to be. I saw this post um, shared, and, you know, this is – it's about music. It's about, you know, it's about the like the age old debate between hymns and contemporary songs, but I'll read it for y'all. Uh, we'll, we'll probably put it on the screen too for anyone watching. But here's what it says: As hymnals fade, theology also suffers. The rich repository of religious wisdom contained in hymns will be lost. The old-fashioned language of hymns may strike some as unusual, but their text teaches the Christian faith far better than most of the praise courses that dominate contemporary services. Old hymns were carefully crafted with theology at the forefront. Traditional hymns present doctrine clearly and beautifully convey the gospel story of saving grace. So it's basically boo contemporary, yay hymns. Um, Which, by the way, I have nothing against hymns. Actually, I like hymns. I think hymns are good. What I don't like is this pitting the two up against each other. But... What are y'all's thoughts? I'd like to know what Michael thinks first. I love hymns. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. So you're you're pro this boo contemporary. We need to get it out. So so it's not just. Let me summarize this up. It's not just that hymns are 
um, like they, they prefer hymns over contemporary. It's that contemporary music is actively destroying theology, if I'm reading between the lines, and hymns would be actively building it. So it's like it's, contemporary music is a detriment, theologically speaking, uh, compared to hymns. I, I don't think that at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love hymns. I love the contemporary music, and I think that this guy's just really bitter that their church went from traditional <laughs> to contemporary. <laughs> it's, uh, that is a little bit like what it sounds like. Um, I think so. Part of the part of the problem with this is it's too vague. Mm-hmm. It's too broad. So there's there are a lot of good contemporary songs mm-hmm. that are out. There's also a lot of bad ones. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a lot of really good hymns. There's also some sorry hymns. Yeah. So here's the thing to think about. Um, uh, hymnals have what 500 hymns in it, and they're compiled over hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're talking about this. You're talking about the top four or five hundred hymns over hundreds of years. How many hymns were written outside of those compile of like the the top, you know, the wow Christian hits or whatever uh, of the day, right? Wow, two uh, thousands, yeah, right? greatest contemporary Christian hits of the nineties. So you're yeah. taking the best of the best of the best. And then comparing it to the broad range spectrum, mm-hmm. in, in reality, they're comparing it to the worst of the worst of the yeah. worst, right? And that's just not fair comparison, right? Um, we, we can find really bad hymns, right, yeah. if we want to. And even in the best of the best, we can find really bad hymns, which brings us to a funny, <laughs> unironic bad doctrine aspect of it. So if I was to say, man, hymns have great theology, is there a hymn that comes to your mind that would counteract that? I only listen to good hymns. So, yeah. so <laughs> there's there's one hymn. I don't know if y'all have ever heard it. Give me that old time religion. Oh, yeah. You know, there, yeah. Yeah, that, and that's yeah. literally the whole song. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. That song was just before its time, Chris. Yeah, it's like I've yeah. got a joke about modern worship. Yeah, I've got a joke about modern worship. I got a joke about modern worship. That's the thing. <laughs> You've got a hymn where it literally just repeats the same thing over and over again. Zero theology to it. It's just it's an appeal to tradition more than anything, yeah. and it's like. This is exactly what you're arguing against, is in your own hymnal, yeah. right? Now, here's the funny thing. Someone in the comments unironically put that in the thing, like in support of this in the comments, put, give me that old time religion. <laughs> and I'm like, do you oh, not gosh. realize that you are, you are undercutting the entire argument right. of this right here? Again, I have nothing against hymns. I love hymns. Um, the Shane Shane hymns album. Oh, Man, I'll just listen to it all day. Um, I'm a fan of hymns. What I'm not a fan of is glorifying a style of music and demifying. Demifying. Is that right? Uh, we need a contact mirror. Demonizing. That's it. Demonizing. Wait, what did uh, you say? Demifying. Demify. So this is what we'll do. We will submit it to Merriam-Webster, yeah. to Oxford, and see if they'll add that to the dictionary. Yeah, That'd be right. great. Yeah, I'm not a fan of over-glorifying a certain style of music and demonizing another one because it's just it's it it makes it, it makes it too black and white. It's more nuanced than that. There's good hymns, there's bad hymns, there's good contemporary songs, there's bad contemporary songs. This is how I fight my battles. <laughs> this is how I fight my battles. Oh my gosh. When I feel like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This you know, is how I fight my battles. Do y'all remember in college? Okay. Uh so it was probably 2009 or so. Carrie Job came out with a song, No Sweeter Name. Yep. You ever heard the song? I remember going to a... Uh, it's in 6 eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember going to a, a young or college service at the, on campus, and they were singing that song. It's like, no sweeter name than the name of Jesus. No sweeter name have I ever known. No sweeter <laughs> name than the... And it's like, that's the whole song is basically that. And I remember sitting there thinking... Okay, we get it. Yeah. We get it. Can we move on? Right. Um, or like, could you expand on that, please? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. And it's like, oh, you know. It's just no sweeter name. It's yeah. like, okay, yes. What does that mean? Yeah. Keep, keep going. Or, so I am no defender of contemporary music as a whole. Um, it's just there's some contemporary music that has very good deep theology to it. And there's some that has really shallow non-theology to it. 
same thing with hymns. Uh, so it's I, I just it's just such an old argument that's like uh, him or contemporary music ruining the church. No, yep. no, no, bad decisions on contemporary or hymn music ruin theology. Yes, yes. Um, make good decisions, people. Make, make good decisions. Make good decisions. Don't make camps where they don't doesn't need to be camps. Yep. Um, what does matter is uh, theology and the heart. And I think that's where a lot of contemporary music came and uh, a lot of like the, the touchy feely contemporary music that, that tr- traditional people don't like, yep. I think was written in response to the coldness of that they saw in some hymns. Um, Cause like, what, what do you do with hymns? Like it's, like there, there's very little emotion and a ton of like theology um, uh, in in the the singing of it, um, uh, depending on the church, depending on the church. Uh, but like your typical like small church, it's like you you stand up, you know, they play the organ, you sing the song, you sit down, you did, you you move on, you sing about Ebenezer, you're know, like, what's Ebenezer? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. Um, <laughs> And so I think uh, there was like a zeal and a passion in some some younger people, and they're like, "No, we want we want to worship God." And so then they like swung the pendulum way the other way. And I think there's like a, a nice balance that's coming uh, right now. That yeah, you pointed happening. out the Shanes. Uh, I absolutely love what they do. It's like they'll take those older hymns, and then you know they don't pull a Chris Tomlin and add a chorus on a chorus on a chorus, <clears throat> but. Uh, you know they they do modernize like the music aspect mm-hmm. of it, right? To where it's it's more of what our, you say ear, that our the, ears like. They just released to him uh, the "Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing" and yeah. there's a chorus on it. They did it. I they mean, did. like okay, yeah. they, like they will do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's, I don't know what you're that's about. not yeah. that's not why I like yeah. I like this listening to them. It's because you know the the music is what our ears are are trained to like. Mm-hmm. Right, that, that's what our um, they are our ears are conditioned to mm-hmm. like, right? And so it's like, yeah, why not? You know, mm-hmm. you get the best of both worlds, and they really did put in a chorus. And they did, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'd listen to it in passing. I'd have to listen to yeah. it again. I mean, and sometimes those are fine, but it's like the the meme, like Chris Tomlin. It's like here's this old traditional hymn. It's like, don't you do it? <laughs> <laughs> or it's like it'd be a shame if someone <laughs> yeah. put a chorus to that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing Grace needs no chorus. Yeah. <laughs> I like the I like the Amazing Grace chorus. It's like worn out. I think. Uh, but there's some courses of that. I agree. I'm like this doesn't fit the song. Yeah. It's not doesn't need to be there. Yeah, know. yeah, agreed. And some of yeah. them are really good. Some of them, yeah. I'm I'm with you again. It's there's good music. There's bad music. That's always been the case. Yep. You can't people do this. Okay. I'm getting back into the music thing. Um, <laughs> this happens not just in Christianity, uh, but even in just like music in general. People are always like, oh, they're listening to Lady Gaga right now. Back in the day, they listened to Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, they're two different styles and two different cultures. Like, like you can't, they're, they're apples and oranges there. But there was bad music in the day of Beethoven too, yep. right? You can't compare like the one of the greatest composers of the century of all time to a random pop star, uh, it's it's just it's not it's not a fair comparison. Right. So, are you uh, saying Lady Gaga is not anywhere close to Beethoven's level? Is that what you're saying? That's I, what it sounds like to me. Is that what it sounds like to you, Michael? He's hating on Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> you know what about Taylor Swift? Is she up there oh, with Beethoven? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard <laughs> she sold more albums. Didn't that count? <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I saw this. Um, I don't know that she sold more. I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what I did on Facebook <laughs> to make Facebook think that I want to see Taylor Swift post. <laughs> but whatever I did made that happen. And so Taylor Swift posts just show up on my Facebook, and there was one that said, "Out of Taylor Swift's 140 songs that she's ever written, only 40 of them are about breakups." And is basically saying like like don't don't let people tell you that's all she talks about, and I was like forty out of one hundred and forty that's like thirty percent of her songs. If you went and talked to someone, and for forty percent of that conversation, <laughs> every time you talk to them, they're talking about their breakup, you would say you're a little obsessed. Yes. you might yeah. need to calm down a little bit. 
It has nothing to do with anything. Apparently, um, the ladies, though, that, that like Taylor Swift love it because, you know, she's so popular. <laughs> yeah. And stuff, I guess. She's a billionaire. Did y'all know that? Uh, maybe she should run for president next. Yeah. Off Is she old enough? Tour, she's a billionaire, I think. Yeah. I don't even think. It's crazy, which makes it. Okay. Dude, she could sing the State of the Union address and do a little dance. Yeah. It'd be entertaining. Ooh. I I hate that Taylor, Taylor. If you're watching, please do. <laughs> please run for president. <laughs> I hate that Taylor Swift consumes so much of my thoughts. Um, <laughs> now I actually want to know what, what might happen. Do what? If Taylor Swift ran for president. I was oh, thinking she just would singing the then. State of the Union after the <laughs> yeah. new album. Yeah. Yeah. The, the scary awesome. thing is that she would it would be a, a close call <laughs> if she ran for president. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> enough on Taylor Swift. Enough on anything. Hymns aren't bad. Hymns are good. Contemporary music bad isn't bad. Contemporary music is good. There's, there's bad stuff within all of it. Don't over-categorize, over-generalize. Yeah. Yes. I've, I've one question to close this whole thing out on. Mm-hmm. Since I've been going to church, I've always wondered why do they skip the third verse? Because it's weird. Is that? Have you ever read some of those third verses? I know. But I is like that the it, third verse. <laughs> well, it, was it Presbyterians that do every single one? Uh, probably. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're a Presbyterian at heart. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> the uh, I don't. But it, I, yeah. Growing up, listening to and, and singing old hymns in church mm-hmm. and, and listening to them, uh, it's like, all right, yeah, this is a great hymn. And then, like, you discover that there's another verse, and it's like getting the extended edition of your favorite DVD. Mm-hmm. Not that DVDs are a thing anymore, but you know what I mean. Like, here, oh, the extend, I'm going to stream the extended edition of Lord of the Rings instead of the regular. Because why would I not? It's like a it's little like extra the content. Taylor's version. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and so it was always exciting to me. And did you know some of the some of those hymns, uh, they've like they've taken the third and fourth verses and like mixed them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so annoying, especially when you know that no, that's like um, there was a uh, Chris Tomlin. Yeah, uh, did a crown him with many crowns, uh, like modernized it, and the bridge he used verse three words for the bridge. <laughs> And um, actually, I really liked it. I really? thought it was really good. Um, so that's really it? They're just weird, and that's why they didn't do them? Um, probably for, like, repetition's sake. Uh, I, I don't know what what ultimately the reasoning is. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times those third ones, depending on the hymn, are, are kind of clunky. I don't know whatever. I don't know why. Uh, so, like, for example, we were getting ready, me and Roxanne were getting ready for the Christmas candlelight service, and we were doing the song, um, What Child Is This? Mm-hmm. And there's uh, a verse three that was in our system. Uh, we weren't planning on doing it, but it was in the system. And so when we were practicing, those lyrics came up, and it, it uh, uh, I can't remember what it said, but it mentioned the donkey, right? But it didn't use the word donkey. It used the old style word for it. That yeah. <laughs> isn't the best language these days. Um, it makes all the middle school boys laugh. Yeah. It used that word. And uh, it was like, we can't sing this. Like, everyone in the entire congregation would like com- be completely distracted by it. Anyways, so sometimes those third verses are weird. Um, anyways, are you looking something up? Yes. Let's see. Okay, so this isn't the this ninety one. So I'm looking at um, Jesus paid it all. It's in of course, well according to Baptist hymnal ninety one. Uh, so there's a verse there. I think it's the fourth verse. I've heard other versions of mm-hmm. it. It's like when before the throne I stand in Him complete. Everybody knows that Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. Then you hit the chorus, the refrain. Well, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Does it? Like the first two lines don't really go with the second two lines. Mm-hmm. And so the other version that I've heard is, you know, I stand in him complete. I'll lay my trophies down, all down at Jesus' feet or something like that. That like actually makes more sense. Mm-hmm. And ever since I heard that version of it with maybe, I don't know if that's the proper, like how it was originally written or what, but it like irritates me now when I hear this song in that verse when it's like, it feels like it's patched together. Like mm-hmm. they didn't give me the... 
the right version or something. It's anyway. Yeah. Yep. Michael, you have something? You looking something up? I'm just trying to see why they skip verse three. <laughs> we need answers. Well, it turns out this one lady here, Harriet, she just asked her church to sing them, and they started doing it. What? So you if can we do, do hymns in church and you want to hear verse three, just go to Roxanne, <laughs> and she'll sing verse three. You have not because he asked not. Yeah. That's right. Makes sense. We're going to end on this note. <laughs> we're, we're digressing real quick here. Uh, <laughs> We are glad that y'all joined us here today. If you're still listening, you're probably already subscribed. But um, <laughs> uh, if you're not, uh, hit that subscribe button. Let us know what you think. Are you a hymns person or a contemporary person? Or are you of the mindset of, I like both. Both have good things to offer. Um, I think everyone should be in that that camp. Uh, but anyways, with all that being said, we're glad that y'all joined us today. We'll see you next week. <laughs>